That's what it sounded like last week in Woodhall Spa, England, a small town three hours north of London. And you can hear a vintage Royal Air Force Lancaster bomber from the Second World War as it skimmed the treetops and flew low over the crowd to mark the 80th anniversary of one of the most daring Allied raids against Nazi Germany, known as the Dambusters Raid. And in the crowd watching the plane was Toronto insurance broker Hartley Garshowitz. Garshowitz had come because his uncle, Albert Garshowitz, flew in one of those Lancasters from this very area of England 80 years ago this past week. The RAF had picked 133 crack pilots and crew for the mission that would change the course of the war. For the first time, Allied air crews would take the fight deep into the heart of Nazi Germany, which was winning the war in those dark days of 1943. His uncle's plane took off after dark on the night of May 16th, The Lancaster crews had to fly across the English Channel, cross into German airspace over the heavily defended Ruhr Valley, then switch off their lights, descend to just 18 meters above the water of one of three German hydroelectric dams, drop their bombs, and all at over 200 miles an hour. Albert was the wireless operator, and his plane, just like all the Lancasters, carried a specially devised 9,000-pound explosive It was nicknamed the Bouncing Bomb. The scientists who invented it just for this raid assured them it would bounce like a pebble three times on the water before sinking to the bottom of the dam and exploding. The plan was that the dams would then flood the factories in the area and slow the German war machine. Two dams were destroyed. The third was not. But the mission was also very costly. More than a third of the dam busters didn't come back that night, including Albert Garshowitz. They were slightly off course, but they hit that uh, hydro pylon. You, you take those for granted uh, uh, when you see them along the Finch Avenue corridor or the 407. But imagine uh, a huge airplane skimming the ground at that level and uh, at the height of the, the, the pylons. That's what they were doing. That's how they were flying. I'm Ellen Besner, and this is what Jewish Canada sounds like for Thursday, May 25th, 2023. Welcome to the CJN Daily, a podcast of the Canadian Jewish News, sponsored by Metropia. The Dambusters raid was so daring that when the pilots and crew returned to England, they became instant heroes. Hollywood even made a movie about the raid called The Dambusters. It came out in 1955. Here's a bit of what that sounded like. Do you mean that a bomb can bounce along the water like a ping pong ball? You're going to attack the great dams of western Germany. Stand by, everyone. We're going in. The film was little consolation for the Garshowitz family. Albert had been one of a dozen kids. He was the third youngest, a former football player in high school. He'd signed up in 1940, and he'd flown lots of missions over Italy and France before becoming a dambuster. After the war, when Hartley Garshowitz was born, his parents gave him the middle name Albert. And for years since, he's taken it as his sacred duty to visit the places where his uncle served in England and in Germany, and especially his uncle's grave there. Hartley's just wrapped up his whirlwind tour at the site where the squadron used to be based, and that's where I caught up with him. Thank you, Ellen. I'm happy to be with you now. 
five hours was, ahead. Yeah, I was going to say five hours ahead of Toronto time. And you are in England for the 80th anniversary reunion and commemoration of the Dam Busters raid. Many so, people don't know. Ted Barris wrote a great book about the Dam Busters. Many people don't know that one third of the crews was Canadian. And, you know, Hollywood kind of forgot about that, as they always do with all the great escape. They always put it as the Americans did everything. And the Brits and Canadians had no role in the World War II. But in this Dambuster issue, tell me about the role of uh, your late um, father's brother, Albert Garshowitz, and what he did. Albert enlisted in the Air Force. He, uh, I think in, in 1941, as did many Canadians, many Jews, uh, um, enlisted. He didn't make it as a, as a pilot. Uh, their uh, s- standards were very strict for that, but there were many other positions that were required. He ended up being a wireless uh, operator. And, and as I learned this week, uh, most people cross-trained for several positions because if somebody was put out of commission on, on the flight, somebody else had to step in and do that. So, so he was the wireless operator and uh, uh, on uh, AJB. The plane was on Explain what people that are not military historians, what AJB is. Okay. The Lancaster bomber had a crew of uh, seven. The pilot, the navigator, uh, three um, gunners, front, t- uh, top, and rear, and the bomb aimer, and uh, the wireless operator. They all had call signs for the Operation Chastise, the, the dam's mission. The call letters were AJ and then hyphen with the, another letter of uh, the alphabet. Uh, he was on the uh, plane uh, called AJB, B for Baker. The, the mission was led, was led by uh, Wing Commander Guy Gibson, who... Uh, was awarded the Victoria Cross uh, for bravery uh, and gallantry as a result of that mission. To get into this squadron, you had to be the creme de la creme. Why was it so challenging to fly the way they had to fly, that not everyone could do this? Tell us a little bit about the, 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 the levels of the altitude. What this mission was about was to uh, cause damage to the uh, German infrastructure along the Ruhr Valley. And uh, a scientist by the name of Barnes Wallace, uh, who was an aircraft designer, calculated that it it would cause uh, major disruption to bomb the dams, uh, the the major dams in the Ruhr, and uh, and flood the uh, infrastructure and... uh, and that would help the Allied cause. Right, because it would flood the factories that were making ammunition. That's right. That's right, which, as it happened, used a lot of slave labor. We'll, right, we'll that was the collateral, that. which is a controversy. But in terms of the actual risks of the mission, so they had to fly from where in England, on what dates, and how low did they have to fly in order to avoid getting shot down by anti-air? At, f- at first... Uh, Barnes Wallace had calculated that they should be flying at 125 feet. And he devised a bouncing bomb by which a, a motor would rotate it in a backwards spinning position. It would skip along the water uh, like, like a stone. 
touch the, the uh, dam and then sink and then the depth charge would blow up and the, uh, the force of the, of the explosion would cause a crack in the dam and, uh, and, and cause it to burst. Uh, through his uh, calculation and, and many tests, they then determined that they had to uh, drop the bomb from a uh, height of 60 feet. There's numerous stories of the low-level flying that they practiced at for a month. First daytime low uh, flying and then nighttime. In some cases, they were flying below the uh, artillery batteries of the Germans who couldn't aim their guns down at them. Some of the planes were hit by flak and, uh, and crashed as a result. My uncle's uh, uh, plane uh, was piloted by uh, uh, William Astle. It hit a hydropylon uh, near a farm. It grazed the roof of the farm and then it crashed in the, uh, in, in the field and uh, blew up as a result of the 6,000-pound uh, uh, bomb that they were carrying. So they hadn't dropped it yet. They didn't make it. They, 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 they didn't make it to the dam. And what dam were they supposed to hit? There were three targets. Uh, there was the Mona Dam. Uh, my, my uncle was en route to the Mona Dam. Uh, it was breached. Uh, another group went to the Edder Dam. That, that was breached by uh, David Maltby's crew. Um, and after those two were breached, because the, the planes were flying in um, in, in uh, procession, they were all uh, taking their circular runs at the dams and uh, making their attempts. Anyways, that uh, from the Mona Dam, a huge flood occurred. There were uh, 1,400 uh, deaths as a result. Many of them were... The slave laborers, a lot of Ukrainians and and and, uh, and Poles uh, that were made to work in the uh, German uh, armament factories. Now, your you and your family have been dogged in the research and in the preservation of your uncle's legacy. When the war was on and they were in training for this top secret mission, did he ever write anything home to the family about what he was about to do? Do you have any letters about that? My uncle Albert w was a prolific letter writer. Uh, he he sent letters, uh, postcards, uh, uh, um, telegrams, and he did not say what they were doing. He only alluded to working on something. I mean, nobody knew what the target was and what what they were practicing for. All they knew was we have to practice low-level flying. It, it was just the day before when they were told what the uh, targets were. Uh, but th th there's a letter to one of my aunts uh, saying, you know, you know, you know, we're standing ready to go. Uh, there's another one saying, uh, don't tell my parents, but, you know, casualties are heavy. And, uh, you know, I hope to come home and see you. 
Somebody remind me, because I, I think I wrote about this in my book. Did they write a letter or chalked a message on their bomb to Hitler? Uh, that has been attributed to my uncle. There's actually two things. He wrote on the, the bomb in his plane, um, and never has so much uh, depended on, on so few uh, people. Uh, that was a, um, uh, a, a reference to what uh, Churchill had said. And it was also known as a, a practical joker within the, uh, his crew and uh, his, his friends there. There's a picture from the crashed airplane chalked on the inside of the door, uh, officer's entrance. And, uh, How did your family learn that he had not come home, that he had crashed? Did they ever tell them right away? What what was the letter? What was the time frame? When uh, the uh, planes returned from the mission, uh, the uh, survivors went for their breakfasts. I understand it was pretty quiet there in the mess hall or a lot of empty tables and chairs. Uh, everybody was put on leave. Guy Gibson went to his office and spent three days preparing letters to go to the family members and uh, next of kin that were registered. And uh, I've got to, uh, he sent three letters to our family. I, I have two of them. And uh, they say that um, your, your uh, um, family member was, uh, took part in a mission. His plane failed to return. Uh, we have no information about it, uh, uh, but await, you know, through the Red Cross, uh, any news of, uh, of, of capture. Uh, for for which we're hopeful, and uh, it, I think it wasn't until July that they got confirmation uh, that the uh, the plane had crashed and the crew had been buried uh, locally in the in the German uh, um, uh, cemetery of Borken. And after the war, the uh, the Allied powers created the uh, uh, the Commonwealth graves. Uh, cemeteries and everybody who was uh, buried in local cemeteries uh, were uh, 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 moved to the uh, the, the Commonwealth uh, uh, cemeteries, and he, he now is with his crew at uh, Reichswald Forest uh, Cemetery. I've been there twice. I've been there once. I went to visit his grave too, remember? <laughs> yes, and as you know, it's a beautiful setting. It's serene, it's quiet, it's, and it is so well-tended. And so these were crack pilots, maybe a little crazy uh, the, as well. The pilots, the pilots were, yes. But they, they all had uh, stellar reputations. Many of them had awards and medals already, D distinguished flying medals, distinguished flying crosses. What about, result, Albert? what about Albert? What does, what was his flying hours before he did this? Do you know, was he experienced? He, 
he was a he he was approaching the end of his uh, thirty. Uh, I think a tour of duty w w was thirty uh, flights, and then you'd go on leave. And he he was at the end of his first term, uh, or f first tour, and uh, everybody of of the pilots that were chosen, in virtually all cases, their crews insisted on uh, continuing with their pilots even beyond uh, their regular uh, uh, tours that had been fulfilled. Okay, now your family was a well-known Jewish family in Hamilton. And uh, he came from a Jewish family, very well respected. What was it like for him as a Jew? What do you know, if anything, from your letters that you read, his letters that you read or people talked to, what his motivation was for, for signing up and for participating? He, he I, I must say that uh, he wasn't the only member of the family, of the extended family, to be in the armed forces. Um, he was the only one of his uh, siblings who had signed up, but a number of his cousins, uh, 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 Borovoy's, um, uh, Garshowitz slash Garthson, they, they were um, in in the armed forces. They were to, they were all in the air force, uh, almost all of them. So so a, a lot of relatives were in the armed forces. I I, I read I've read in letters he would thank. Uh, my aunts and and, and uh, my grandmother for the packages that they sent, including cigarettes and versed bologna, salami, right? And and he was very popular with his sharing of of what he received. He would uh, be invited to visit um, and spend Shabbos with uh, Jewish families. In London, um, there was no anti-Semitism against him, or there was in the forces. Did he have any I, experience? I don't know. Who was named after him in the family? Me. It's my middle name, Albert. It's a legacy you've borne very well and strongly and deeply for. Well, you said twenty years you've been doing this. As you just finished going through the 80th anniversary reunion. What are your feelings towards him? Do you say anything to him? Did you talk to him? Did you tell him you were there? What? He's on my mind. I've got the, got the pictures. I've got a lot of material uh, that I've accumulated over the years. I've got a lot of, of uh, books. Many people have written the books there. It, it, everybody who was there uh, feels that connection, feels the need to to, to keep the memory going. And uh, the, uh, it's a big deal in the UK. I, I was on, that, uh, on the train uh, back to London today and, uh, and I was talking to a, to a lady. Uh, uh, she could tell I wasn't uh, local by my accent. And uh, I said, I'm coming back from the 80th uh, Dambuster uh, reunion. Oh, it's so wonderful that you come for that. Uh, we really appreciate what uh, what it represents. You know, uh, somebody I never met before, I'll never see again. But she's of the age that it meant something to her. Will you go again? Do you think, or is this it now? I, I think uh, every five years on the anniversaries that tend to. 
um, attract more attention. And I'm grateful for the opportunity to have come. I'm thankful to my wife, Fran, who allowed me to come and, uh, and has supported my, uh, uh, my interest uh, to the extent that uh, she uh, does. And uh, I'm thankful for this opportunity. One last thing. What did it do to the family? It was a large family. What did it do to your grandparents when he didn't come home? They were, um, to my understanding, uh, they, they refused to uh, accept it at first. I understand that it uh, led to the deterioration of my uh, grandmother's eyesight. She eventually went blind, uh, Sarah uh, Borvoy Garshowitz. Uh, my grandfather um, uh, died in 1960 when I was four years old. I mean, my father was the youngest of 12, so um, there was a big age difference. Um, a lot of people didn't accept it. You know, she was uh, awarded the Silver Cross for, uh, I mean, we, we have my uncle's medals. You know, a, a wife or a mother would get the Silver Cross from the British government or the Canadian government. I assure you, she never wore the Silver Cross or, or did anything with that. It sat in a box. You have all this stuff now. Are you ever going to write a book or what are you going to do with all this stuff? Well, from my standpoint, it's a, it's a project for retirement and I'm not there yet. Um, I'd like to do something with his letters. Uh, there's a lot of them. There's a lot of information. There are people that write books of, uh, you know, around the letters of, of, of people you never know. We'll see. It's been an honor to speak to you and hear about your amazing trip. I'm sure it's still a bit overwhelming because you're still in it. And I really appreciate you taking the time late at night from your hotel to, to give us the, the update on a Canadian hero and the 80th anniversary of the Dam Buster Raid. Hartley, thanks for being on the TV Daily. Thank you for having me. And that's what Jewish Canada sounds like for this episode of the CJN Daily, sponsored by Metropia. Integrity, community, quality, and customer care. Today's listener shout-out goes to Maxwell Cates. He's a big Wayne & Schuster fan, and the Toronto Man will be going to see that new stage play about the famous comedy duo that debuts tonight in Toronto. Now, I told you about this in an earlier podcast. I'm going to see it as well. Cates wanted to share his own memories of Wayne and Schuster with us, so we'll end with his voicemail to me. Have a happy Shavuot. We'll talk to you on Monday. Hi, Alan. Thank you for inviting me to share my memories of Wayne and Schuster. I'm going to tell you a story that I did not tell you over the phone. It was from my lecture at the Canadian Baseball History Conference about baseball references in Wayne and Schuster. In the introduction, I talked about Shakespeare's influence on Wayne and Schuster, including the Macbeth murder mystery. Of course, you mustn't say that word, and the next frame showed a blank screen followed by the message, do not adjust your set, it's only the curse. Anyways, later on, I showed Shakespearean baseball to the crowd. Lo and behold, the video wouldn't start. I panned the audience and I said, you see, the Macbeth curse lives on. And if it didn't, 
Where's the sketch? Bye for now.